Welcome, you're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. You can visit our website, mediatalk101.org, for helpful articles, videos, and other resources, including information on our award-winning documentary, Captivated. And you can also learn about our annual event, the Christian Worldview Film Festival. I'm the founder and director of Media Talk 101, Philip Telfer and the host of this podcast, back in the studio with friend and co-worker, Rhett Simpkins. Rhett, welcome back to our monthly podcast. Thanks. And I hope that you've had a good month. I know that we've been talking off the air, <laughs> you know, numerous times. But um, what's anything, anything, uh, any key moments since we last came together for our podcast listeners, other than your birthday, which was last month? Well, we've had a pretty normal month, nothing too out of the ordinary. Okay, so no exciting news from the Simpkin household. Well, I've got some news. This is terrible news in the Telfer household. My, my coffee roaster oh. broke. And for those who know me, that that's a big deal. You know, I like good coffee, and it's sometimes hard to come by good coffee, so I started roasting my own coffee oh, almost a couple of years ago. And I had this handy-dandy little home coffee roaster, which I loved. It was programmable, all sorts of fun stuff. So always had my fresh roasted coffee that we like to uh, enjoy uh, each day, but it broke. So then began the journey of finding a a different way to roast coffee since they don't even make this model of coffee roaster anymore. So I did it old school and roasted some of my green coffee beans in a pan, Hmm. which was not too bad, except that it smokes like crazy and filled the whole kitchen up in the house full of (laughs) coffee smoke. Wow. So so the the roast was okay. It wasn't wasn't ideal. It was kind of an uneven roast. Then, uh, so then I decided I'll do it outside. Well, of course, it's Texas and it's 100 degrees these days. So how are you going to roast it outside? Well, I was out uh, smoking some burgers you know they got smokers down here Rhett. they don't do grills okay they're they're actual smokers you know so it's it's usually for things other than burgers but you know you make a fire we have a lot of mesquite around here so you make a mesquite fire in the little firebox and then that fills up your smoker and and it's essentially like a grill except the heat source is a wood fire so i was grilling some burgers and i thought i'm going to try to uh maybe roast some coffee so i went and got my pan and started trying to roast coffee. 20 minutes later, it still not had enough heat (laughs) to get the beans to what they call first or even second crack. So that was, so then I had to take it back into the kitchen and uh, finish it on the stove, smoke up the kitchen. So that was no fun. Well, yeah, so I started researching. Didn't really have uh, in my budget right now investing in another coffee roaster. So I started looking online uh, because I'd heard that you know, what a lot of people do is roast in a in a uh, popcorn popper. Really? So, so yeah, it's very popular to roast coffee beans in a popcorn popper. And I just thought that's kind of plebeian. But you know what? I'm desperate. <laughs> so so I did some research. Found out that one of the one of the uh, ideal coffee roasters is the West Bend Poppery Two. Of course, they don't make these anymore. If they did, you could just go down to Walmart, probably buy them for under twenty bucks. Uh, there, you know, but 
they're popular for roasting coffee. So now I find out that they're quite an item on eBay. So you, so now you have to pay more for a West Bend Poppery too that was probably built in the 80s uh, than what if it was a brand new item that you'd buy today. So I, inv- so I invested $35 in a popper that's probably sold for $10, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when it was when it was in the store because there's a demand for them. And I, you know, this is part of a communication thing. You know, I'm going somewhere with all this, you know, always, you know, have these conversations with your spouse if you're married because uh, around the table I decided, well, I did my research and I ordered a popcorn popper. Like, oh, really? Well, what did you order? I said, well, it's it's called a West Bend Poppery 2. And the kids go, well, that sounds like the one we own. Oh, no. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like really? Yeah, we think that's what we have. I went to the, they had picked one up at a, at a, a, a resale store um, a couple of years ago. And so I went to the cupboard because I don't pop popcorn. They do the popcorn popping. And I look and there it is. It's the West Bend <laughs> Poppery <laughs> 2. But, you know, I'd already purchased mine. And, and uh, so now we have two West Bend Poppery 2s. And uh, one of them is for popping popcorn. And they do recommend that if you're going to roast coffee, you shouldn't, you know, use it for popcorn and coffee. So now I've done like three or four batches of coffee in my popcorn popper. I love it. I think hmm. it does a, it does a great job. So I don't know. I might just stick with this for a while. Cool. So that's that's the news in the Telfer household. And I've used up way too much time in the podcast that's supposed to be about media discernment on a coffee discernment. So... <laughs> But it is what it is. And I think the other news uh, is that I did start, I might have mentioned this in the last podcast, but I started doing the uh, 101 Days Through the Bible. That's a Bible reading challenge that we promote on our website. And you can learn more about that under Action Steps. So if you go to our website and you click on Action Steps, you can find the page which talks about why I think it's good to uh, have a Bible reading challenge. And our particular one is 101 days. We have three different uh, three different reading programs, things that you can download for free off the website. And I do this every year. I've done this for, I think this is maybe the fifth or sixth year that I do this. And so I started, usually I do it the first of the year in January. We talked about it in January, but I didn't actually start it. I knew that I wanted to do it in the summer because I knew things would slow down a little bit. So I'm on day 50. Uh, today, and uh, which means that in 50 days I've read through half of the Bible, hmm. and I'm really I always enjoy doing this, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't have a challenge. So if you need a Bible reading challenge, what I love about uh, going through a lot of Scripture, and I also do studies. You know, I, I teach every week at our church, so I'm doing in-depth Bible study as well. But what I love about getting that bird's eye view is just taking in a lot of Scripture and and uh, seeing it all come together instead of just reading little bits and pieces here and there. So I'm writing, uh, this year I'm just reading Genesis to, to Revelation straight through and not only enjoying it, but learning some things. Uh, you always learn something new. So anyway, that's some news, but uh, we have a great podcast planned uh, today and we're going to start by, several years ago, Rhett, I was overwhelmed when I learned about exabytes. Do you, do you recall hearing about exabytes? 
Yeah, I remember hearing that. Okay, where'd you you probably heard it from me, right? Yeah, what do you, yep, I'm pretty sure. What do you recall about an exabyte? It's uh, so much data, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Okay, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, the an exabyte. So I learned about exabytes because it was there was a report, and I've quoted this report before, that in 2007, there was, uh, no, actually it was 2000. Six. So here it is. I have it. According to an IDC paper sponsored by EMC Corporation, 161 exabytes of data were created in 2006. So I was off on my dates there. And you're like, well, what is an exabyte? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you in a moment what an exabyte is. First of all, it is a billion gigabytes. That's what an exabyte is. Wow. So, so, you know, most people can understand a gigabyte because we have 500 gigabyte hard drives or maybe you have a you know i don't know what does your computer have Rhett? uh two terabytes i think okay so a terabyte well now we're getting into something bigger than gigabytes that's a so that's a thousand a terabyte is a thousand gigabytes so you move on up to to the terabytes well when we when we talk about the exabyte an exabyte is one million terabytes so if that boggles your mind, 1 million wow. terabytes. And in 2006, there were 161 exabytes of, of information uh, that were created, data that was created. Now, to, to wrap your mind around this, this is 3 million times the amount of information contained in all the books ever written. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that's, that's just an exabyte. But today we're going to talk about something beyond the exabyte. This is not the only thing we're going to talk about, but this is kind of the lead-in. Now we have something called zettabytes. What do you think a zettabyte is? So if you have a, if a, if a terabyte is a, a thousand or a, a, oh, I'm just getting all confused. So a terabyte is a thousand gigabytes. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to a zettabyte, what do you think that is? I'm guessing that that's a thousand exabytes. Well, let's see what it is. It's a billion terabytes, which would be a thousand exabytes. You're correct. So you get the award. We need a little a little uh, sound bite or something, a little ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring. You know, you got that right. So it's a thousand exabytes or one billion terabytes. So it's over overwhelming. Now, let's go back for a moment to the exabyte, because all of this is going in a direction. We're going to talk about information and, and the internet and some other things. But uh, here, was, here was something interesting just about exabytes. In uh, 2007, all these different exabytes that were produced out there that said it was equivalent to less than one CD per person. Oh, this is going back to 1986. Forgive me. So they, uh, in 1986, the amount of information out there was the equivalent of less than one CD per person. And a CD, I think, can, I think it can store like 750 or maybe 800 megabytes. So, so it was about 650 megabytes per person in the world. Well, that was 1986. By 1993, that was now up to four CDs per person. By 2000, it would have been the equivalent of 12 CDs of information per person. And then by 2007, it was uh, 61 CDs 
uh, per person. Now, they said that piling up the imagined 404 billion CDs, that's what it would take to get to the number of exabytes that were created in 2007, would create a stack of CDs from the Earth to the moon and a quarter of that distance beyond. Hmm. <laughs> so that's just a lot of information. Well, that once again, that's old school, man. That's old news. Those are exabytes. Now we're into zettabytes. So we have these, these zettabytes we're talking about, and that leads me to a uh, an info picture. What do they call these things? That's not right. It's infographic. Not an, an infographic, thank you. So I received, you and I received in, the, in our email, an infographic from our faithful podcast listener, Jim, who sent me this uh, infographic that was created by Intel on what happens in an internet minute. Now you've seen this, Rhett. What what caught your attention when you saw this? Everything. Um, it's just crazy. Like I said before, it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around some of these things. But what really caught my attention the most probably was just um, that Netflix and YouTube have more than half of all internet traffic in a minute. Yes, in, in one minute half of all the internet traffic and by the way so we were talking about zettabytes so here's the lead-in one of the last things that they have on this infographic by the way which we've posted on our uh, blog so you can go to our blog and 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 see that linked and, and look at that infographic yourself by intel so they said in 2013 all the digital data created reached four zettabytes so we're, we're hmm. beyond now exabytes. You know, we were overwhelmed with the 161 exabytes in 2006, and now we're into zettabytes in 2000. Yeah, and this is only a few years later, and it's already gone, you know, exponentially beyond that. Yes. So, and if you look at this graphic, what's some interesting things about this is uh, they have it, they, they don't cover everything here, but this is just what happens in one minute. So they have... 20 new victims of identity theft every minute. Uh, there are six new Wikipedia articles being published. That's not, I mean, I guess that's impressive. Not, It's not a very big number. But there are 1,300 new mobile users. That's pretty big. On, on uh, There are 47,000 apps being downloaded. New apps. Another thing is email, which we get overwhelmed with. 204 million emails sent every minute. Now, Amazon, we sell our documentary Captivated on Amazon. So included in those sales each minute, you know, we don't sell one every minute. That would be nice, but we don't. But uh, they have $83,000 of sales every minute on Amazon. Now, wait a second. I, I'm looking at a different thing here. I think... Uh... I think there's a new infographic. Uh-oh. There's a new infographic. I think those numbers are even bigger. Oh, you're right. I'm looking at the wrong one. How did I do that? Wow. This is... I went to Intel to find this. No, no, no. This is the one that uh, Jim sent us. He's got... Yeah, but then... He's not, he doesn't you, have the new you one. You linked... Ah. I'm yeah. looking at two pictures. Okay. Let's back up here a little bit. Where did I go wrong here? Oh, Wow. Yeah, it's even worse than I thought. So let's go back to, uh, do they have an Amazon one here? 
Yeah, oh, $133,000 in sales every minute. Wow. Uh, Pandora. Actually, we I use Pandora at the house. We actually li- we like Pandora. It's a music streaming. We I pay for the premium uh, service so that there's no ads and you get to create your own stations and we have our you, you can pick your favorite uh, music artists and so we we do exclusively Christian music and we we have a nice soothing piano channel. We have some other you know we've got the, some of the, we have a kind of a more of a contemporary Christian music channel. You know, at Christmas time, we'll create a Christmas channel. But uh, so, yeah, so here it says that there are 31, well, I'm going to estimate here, 31,000 hours of music that are being played on, Hmm. uh, so that just on Pandora. We're not going to talk about LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I completely don't understand it. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I, I don't if any, know. any podcast listeners out there find LinkedIn helpful, let me know. I haven't figured that out. It's up there. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's up there with Twitter and my book, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which Twitter, mm-hmm. it says 300 million, 300,000 tweets. Well, anyway, there, you can look at this infographic that we've linked and uh, see some information. They say by 2017, mobile traffic will have grown 13 times in just five years. So that's going to be huge. And so they also by 2017, it's anticipated that there will be three times more connected devices than there are people on the earth. Wow. So, but there was there was one thing as we were talking about Amazon. And all uh, what's happening on the internet every minute. There was something in the news this week regarding Amazon. And what was that, Rhett? Well, Amazon is fixing to buy um, this website called Twitch, which I'd never heard of. And well, it's probably it probably Twitch. I would guess would be what happens when you try to fathom zettabytes mm-hmm. and exabytes you start to start to twitch but that's probably not it what is it <laughs> well it's a it's a website where you can go and you can watch people playing video games live boy that's like watching paint dry that's what i thought i went there and i was like what's the draw to this oh so twitch so yeah what so tell us a little bit more about twitch this this shocked me. You know, I, I saw this because, you know, we, we sell on Amazon. I buy stuff from Amazon. And when you see in the news that Amazon spends a billion dollars to buy a website called Twitch, uh, what is what is this about? So what did you learn? Well, it's interesting. It's only been around for a couple of years. And they say it now has uh, 55 million unique viewers every single month. So there's a lot of traffic there, obviously a lot of draw, which I'm sure is what Amazon's interested in. Um, But also it's among the top 15 most trafficked websites in the world. Wow. And I'm sure, you know, that there was a bid uh, for this. And I think Google was probably Mm -hmm. involved in that since you have these massive uh, companies now that are trying to swallow up everything and get more control of the Internet so, so you can. I, I saw this one quote talking about this. It says, "To win its bid for Twitch, Amazon had to outmaneuver a who's who of the tech world, including Google, strongly suggesting that these companies think the era of video game viewing is just starting." So we're not just. So last, our last podcast was about the 
film or the documentary video games the movie so we talked about video games and 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 now this is a whole new element we're talking about people spending hours watching other people playing video games and this was huge what uh let me quote uh jeff bezos he's the the chief executive of amazon he says that broadcasting and watching gameplay is a global phenomenon and Twitch has built a platform that brings together tens of millions of people who watch billions of minutes of games each month. So it's a, this global phenomenon that I, I was unaware of. Why? I mean, I'm not interested in playing video games, much less watching them. So it goes on in this article that I'm looking at right now uh, from the New York Times. It says that uh, Twitch specializes in live videos of people playing games, including regular Joes blasting away in Call of Duty, a popular shooting game, and elite players who earn multi-million dollar payouts at professional game tournaments. A lot of people didn't realize that there are multi-million dollar payouts at professional game tournaments, but there are. And so this is this is amazing. In fact, they're, they have a chart here showing some of the other competitors during prime time for Twitch including MTV I don't watch I don't even have a t I don't even have TV when I watch TV and certainly not MTV or Comedy Central here's a, they have that listed MSNBC or CNN uh, and and Twitch is is actually edges out MTV hmm. uh, in viewers during prime time so it's this was crazy so that I don't know about you but were you curious to go see Twitch. Yeah, I was. And so was I. So I, I went to Twitch and I'm like, uh, wow, why would you? So, and they have all these different kind of video games. Well, something caught my eye. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast here. Because it all links, you know, we went from exabytes to zettabytes to the internet minute to amazon to twitch and now i'm on twitch that's that's how this all came about that's how this podcast evolved <laughs> minus the uh talk about coffee and so we're now we're now i'm on twitch and i'm looking at twitch and i'm thinking i don't really care about any of these games i don't think i'd want to watch anybody playing these games but then a particular game caught my attention minecraft because I hear a lot about Minecraft, and I've had, I've tried that. Is and the reason I'm, I'm going to bring this up because I've at several conferences and just, you know, just being around people and people know that I talk about media. Then the question comes up: Well, Philip, what do you think about Minecraft? I'm like, well, my, I don't know. I don't know anything about. Tell me about Minecraft. And the reality is, is without knowing anything about the game you know about a year ago I hadn't even heard of it but about a year ago I started hearing about it and not having known anything about the game I could probably tell you a lot about the game but without knowing anything about the game uh, so then that's what we'll talk about a little bit but I thought let me I, I've never seen Minecraft so now I'm at Twitch and I can watch somebody play Minecraft so I found a, a channel where there were lots of viewers watching Minecraft and uh, and it's and it's a it's an adult man, you know, who's hosting this Minecraft game, and he's giving little commentary as they're playing, and and it's a multiplayer thing. And I'm watching it for about two minutes, 
And I'm going, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Obviously, you, you, you have to you have to be into the game. You have to be, I guess, participating to really enjoy it. I sure wasn't enjoying watching it. For the the first thing that caught my attention is, well, let me t- let's play guess that guess the first thing that caught Philip's attention. So, Rhett, you get three guesses at what was the first thing that caught my attention watching Minecraft. What's your first guess? Um, just the horrible graphics. There it is. You got it in the first. <laughs> You got it in the first guess. You see, in this in this day and age, you know, there's a lot to do, a lot of to do about realism and graphics and how, and that was part of what drove the uh, that documentary we talked about last month. But the first thing I look at this, I'm like, everything is square. It's like a bunch of. I mean, this is this is worse than a Lego. <laughs> hmm. Uh, video. So uh, I was, boy, this is really clunky. And it, visually, it was not really stunning at all. And so that was the first thing that caught my attention. And then just plus that it was just confusing because you're like, what What in the world are they doing? So I set out on a journey to learn a little bit more about Minecraft. And certainly the uh, first place I went to was the Minecraft website because I want to see well what do they say about themselves and I watched the trailer and this was probably the first red flag that went up for me these were some of the things that I was guessing at when I watched the trailer for Minecraft this is what Minecraft themselves pitch that there's the only limits are your imagination so that's one of the selling points these are the bullet points it lets you go wherever you want to go. You can build anything you want to build. And they said it's the most significant sandbox that you will ever set your foot in. Now, for those not familiar with gaming ret, maybe explain what they're meaning by sandbox. They're not talking about an actual sandbox. No, I guess, you know, from what I, and I'm not real familiar with gaming either, but I kind of dug around a little bit too. And it seems like what they mean by that is, um, that you can create things. So it's like building in a sandbox only virtually. Yep. And and also the idea that it's it's kind of open-ended, you know, mm-hmm. there's not they haven't defined everything for you. And so you can you can explore and the other the other thing they said was you can you can play with friends in this sandbox. So you can go online, you can play in friends with your with your block blocks of sand. And also uh, you can build your own little community. There you go. This is this is the appeal, and the probably the most the the most alarming uh, bullet point that they gave in their trailer was no one can tell you what you can or cannot do hmm. with no rules to follow. This adventure is up to you. So there's a philosophical statement being made, and actually being played out in the game. So we've said all that, but we haven't really ex- ex- described the game too much. So try to describe the game for viewers that may not, or listeners who may not be familiar with, uh, what are we talking about? Minecraft, which is hugely popular among children as yeah. well as adults. Yeah. And I'm still um, baffled by its appeal. Like you said, the first thing that stuck out to me as well was the the graphics. I was just like, what, 
what are people raving about? But I guess, you know, you can, uh, you can go in there and you, uh, mine resources, so trees or other elements, and then you can use those things to build whatever you want. And of course it's got that blocky look to it, but, um, you know, people just like that they can create. Yeah. So when you're talking about mining resources and we're talking about a video game, you know, I guess I would have picture in my mind, you know, some graph of a guy with a, a pick and he's, he's digging and, and, uh, you know, he's finding stuff, but <laughs> that, that's not it. I mean, it's a block of something. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a block of wood or it's a block of sand or it's a block of, you know, and, and I don't even know, you don't even graphically, you don't even see like anything happening except that I don't know how they control it, but you go up to a block and all of a sudden it dissolves and, and then you use that to build something else. So yeah, very, very clunky. There's some, um, the, the thing about it is you start and it's a, it's kind of a, it's a world. They, they create a world that you start with and then you get to start manipulating what is in that world. So in the, on Wikipedia under Minecraft, it says Minecraft is an open world game that has no specific goals for the player to accomplish allowing players a large amount of freedom in choosing how to play the game. Now, there are some challenges and things. You know, they have different game modes where you can, uh, one's it's survival mode where it requires the players to acquire resources to maintain their health and their, their hunger. So you got to go get some animals and kill them to eat them. You have to, I suppose, you know, keep from getting sick. I don't know. I haven't played the game. There's a creative mode where you just have an unlimited supply of resources and you get to just go around the world and do whatever you want to do. Uh, but there's also, you know, there, there are some, there's a, some antagonists. And what are those antagonists, Rhett? Uh, it seems like there's these things called creepers and there's zombies and um, I'm, I'm sure a host of other things. Yeah. So, you know, they have, they, they have some, I mean... You got to build some adventure in this, right? I mean, just playing with blocks in a virtual world. I mean, I guess that would get boring. Maybe not. But uh, so they add that element that, uh, you know, you have to protect yourself. Got to build a little house because you never know when some something creepy. Now, these, these creepy things that are out to get you don't actually look very creepy. <laughs> you know, they're, just, they're just blocks. But yet, I mean, if you're... Here's the thing. Why, why does this work? You know, how in the world is... Obviously, it's huge. What are some of the numbers, Rhett? What did you find? Man, the numbers are all over the charts, um, so it's kind of hard to pin them down, but on their own website, they ha- their own statistic says that um, for PCs and Mac, so this is computers, they have t- uh, sold over 16 million games. Um, and that's just on that one platform, but it's multi-platforms it's on every device that you can even think of and so wikipedia actually says that they've uh, sold over 54 million total games for all the different platforms that are out there which makes it uh, among the top three games ever um, from the beginning of video games which tetris holds the number one spot but there's controversy over that too because they say you know tetris and uh, Wii Sports was the next one down, they came with consoles. So some people are saying that this is the number one selling uh, game outside of console sales, and it's an indie game as well, so it was not made by any major company. 
Yeah, I, I saw somewhere, and I'll I'll look through some of my notes here as we keep talking about Minecraft, but that uh, I saw somewhere 100 million registered users or something mm-hmm. like that yep. of of um, of this game. So this is huge, and you begin to wonder, well, what is it? I mean, it's certainly not the graphics that's driving this. It's there, there's something more to the story here that is attracting uh, so many so many people, especially children. And that's where I started hearing about Minecraft. Because when you just hear about it at the surface, okay, you go around and you get blocks of stuff and you build things with it. Well, okay, that seems pretty harmless until you start until you have parents coming to you going, please help, what do I do? My kid is addicted to Minecraft. That's all he ever thinks about. And when he's not playing, he's talking about it. When he's not talking about it, he's thinking about it. And when he's not thinking about it, he's, you know, arguing about it. And, and it's it's created all this havoc in our home. You know that they have these. It's like Minecraft addiction. You know, it's so. So what is what's happening? Well, once again, I think in their own opening statements about this idea of being in a world that you're creating yourself. You know, and you you get to. There's no rules. You can just do whatever you want to do. Fits into going back all the way back to one of our early podcasts, which is my top five concerns about video games. And if we look at those top five concerns real quick, um, the first one was moral issues. You know, is there, are there moral, uh, is there anything that, you know, would break one of the moral laws of God if you were to do in real life? Now, that, you know, may or may not, now, in, in morality, in God's given morality, there's a, there's a, there is a, a principle there that you just can't do whatever you want. You know, there are, first of all, there are civil jurisdictions, there's the family jurisdiction, and then then there's the kingdom of God. You know, there's the church and his people. And he, and so there are these different jurisdictions and all of those, there are rules. You know, in our, in our civil world, there are rules. In a family, there are rules. In the church, there are rules. And so to, to uh, begin as a premise of a world with no rules, is uh, somewhat problematic. But when we think of moral issues, usually we're thinking of first-person shooters and going out there committing crimes or doing things, dealing drugs or jacking cars, things like you'd see in Grand Theft Auto. That's certainly not Minecraft. Minecraft seems uh, seemingly much more innocent than that. So a lot of parents have bought into it and said, okay, this looks like an innocent, maybe even an educational game. You know, they're doing stuff. They're building things. So the second concern uh, that I have is how we use our time. Now that has certainly become a factor with Minecraft, which has uh, really caused, especially children, to to spend uh, extraordinary amounts of of time, you know, consumed with the game, and not just the game, but now it's a whole culture. There's a culture of Minecraft, because it's not just playing the game. Now it's it's uh, connecting with people online in the game multiplayer. Then it's learning new things about the game through YouTube channels and videos that are being produced. I was even shocked to learn that there is a Minecon. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's a there's an official Minecraft convention that is held. So it's a it's a it's an entire culture that has sprung up, and children and as well as adults get completely absorbed, you know, with this with this culture. So you're not just even talking about the the game anymore and so the second you know that idea of how we spend our time you know what trajectory are we setting the the third concern that I have 
with with video games in general is the this idea of of escapism you know of of just escaping from the world you know from from reality and from doing real things this is also a factor you know if you think about minecraft in that sense why i see i've encountered a lot of parents who are having trouble with their children with minecraft if their if their child is spending let's say 2 or 3 hours in a world where there are no rules where they are the master of this the what they're building and and they're and then they're asked to come back into a world that has rules you can imagine what world would you prefer you know if you're mm-hmm. a kid and, and you're not you know you're going to prefer that world where you're in control not where others are saying hey take out the trash you know go make your bed do your chores what about your homework i mean that world is no fun compared to the world that I can create where there are no rules. So that is uh, that is one of the things, this idea of escapism. And uh, so that's that's three of my concerns. I have five. You know, the, the uh, fourth one is that more and more research, research is proving what moms of could tell you who, whose children play Minecraft and other video games, that video games can be addictive. You know, it, and and if not addictive, in some cases, at least bad habit forming. You know, it becomes very habitual, and can be, you know, almost like an addiction in in some ways. But my my greatest concern about video games all along has been what, Rhett? You've heard heard me say this many times. The false sense of accomplishment. There it is. The false sense of accomplishment. This has been my biggest concern with video games for many years. That that were we're allowing, especially when it comes to our children, this sense that they're accomplishing something when they're actually not accomplishing anything at all. And Minecraft is a good example of this where, you know, the whole the whole appeal is like, I'm doing something. In fact, I watched a little video where they were interviewing two young children, a boy and his sis, a brother and his sister. And the whole time they were on their computers playing Minecraft and kind of talking to the to the person doing the interview and they're talking about how they love because they're doing stuff they're building stuff but the whole time they were sedentary <laughs> you know the mm. whole the only thing that was moving was the pupils of their eye and their hand on the mouse and and they're but but they have this perception that they're actually doing something and well you know i saw another video of some milestone. This was actually on the Minecraft website. It was a milestone when one of the Minecrafters or whatever they want to call themselves had created in the game a 16-bit, uh, essentially a 16-bit computer, <laughs> you know, to, that could make a calculation. And to demonstrate uh, how how they created this, um, that he gave it the problem two plus one. <laughs> <laughs> just so and and it came back with the right answer three but it took an extra it took a long time for his invention in minecraft to calculate that two plus one equals three and and this was the accomplishment wow we created something well uh once again you know what what kind of trajectory is this uh setting people on now what were what were some of the other things you learned or th- thoughts that you had read is you did a little research about Minecraft. Well, uh, on an Xbox One commercial that I saw, they were advertising that it was going to now be available on that console. And they said, 
in the commercial that over 130 million worlds had been created. So I was thinking about, you know, what you said a little bit earlier, you know, make creating your own world. And so there's at least 130 million of them out there. And uh, I was also reading another review about the game, and it was I, I could hardly come across a review that had very much negative to say about it. Everybody, at least in the little bit that I saw, had a lot of great things to say about its educational purposes and such. Um, but, you know, this was a quote. They said, and this was a children's magazine, this is your world. It's nothing if it's not a reflection of you. And so it, it's just troubling to me that that's the, um, the path that many people are going down. Hey, this is all about me. Um, another thing that the Xbox One commercial kind of touted was that over 1 billion hours of the game have been played on Xbox 360. And it's been played in, in over 66 countries around the world. Um, so it is widespread. And, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of negative things that people generally point out unless you go and visit the mom blogs, mm. <laughs> you know, which I did. I went to a couple mom websites and mom blogs, and uh, on one of these, uh, this mom writes, one user wrote, and this is talking about their child, it's all he thinks about and talks about with his friends. Hmm. Another added, my kids eat, sleep, and breathe Minecraft. They have a post here from, from a social network where someone wrote, my brother is getting really addicted to Minecraft. Like, seriously, all he does is play Minecraft since he wakes up till he sleeps. And another quote here, they want to play it all day and night. And if they're not playing it, they're then they're talking about it, playing it, or watching YouTube videos of others playing it. And this is, uh, this is not just kids. It's adults also. And uh, one one article here, it's this is uh, called "Hey Parents, What Minecraft Is Doing to Your Kids" is kind of surprising. And one of the first things that said, "Love or hate Minecraft, kids obsess over it, huddled over iPads or eyes fixated on monitors and televisions." The premise is almost rudimentary. Minecraft is an open-ended sandbox game where you construct and play in elaborate worlds. But the point here being that, uh, you know moms and people that whose children are playing this recognize children are obsessing over it. In fact, here's another one. Uh, this was from um, another blog that I came across. Actually, no, this is from a website. And it talks about how there's no, the, the author writes, there's no end to the options. I repeat, no end. It's mm -hmm. no surprise then that parents are cursing its birth. As a researcher examining the potential of technology and education, and as the mother of two Minecraft-obsessed girls in elementary school, I have an acute love-hate relationship with this game. One minute, I'm mesmerized with its potential for encouraging children to get creative, explore, and think critically about what it takes to build new communities. The next, I'm shrieking at my kids and issuing ridiculous threats. Me, stomping over to our kitchen computer. I've already said this three times. Shut it down. It's dinner time. Do I have to unplug this from the wall? Want spiders, huh? How about leave you outside tonight to find the real ones on the back porch? <laughs> you know, so this is, uh, you know, one frustrated mom who's also, was the, the article was generally enthusiastic. But here's the thing about these open-ended games. So if you think about, Brett, when we were playing video games, of course, we were in two different eras. Mm -hmm. But back in the days, you know, when I was playing Mario, one of the original Mario Brothers, uh, the game had an end. 
you know <laughs> it was yeah. it it was limited you know you 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 wasted a bunch of time figuring out how to get through the game and you got to the end and you were done you know you, you racked up some points you might and there wasn't there wasn't always a sense like oh yeah i want to go through all of that over again but on a game like minecraft there's no end that's just the point that this writer was was making there's mm. no end to the game so there's no point where you feel like yeah i'm actually satisfied here i've uh, <laughs> i've done something and so, with no real objective you know there's no clear goal and anything's possible yeah well you know you can build stuff you you can make a computer that can calculate two plus one that's what you can do it's really important Rhett. come on get with the game here <laughs> here's another one um this was uh from a, a a blog and it was 10 problems that parents can have with minecraft and this was by the way also a pro minecraft parent they they uh were enthusiastic about minecraft as a video game in their home but also saw some of the stumbling blocks and so I'm not going to go through all of these, but one of these is uh, it's it's hard to know what's going on. And so they say one of the confusing aspects of Minecraft for many parents is trying to understand exactly what their kids are doing when they play. Hmm. And that was the first thing that uh, I encountered when watching just a few minutes. Like, what are they doing? What's what's actually going on here? This is this is confusing. So that was one of the things. Number three in this list is uh, multiple. Multiplayer servers can be overwhelming or inappropriate. This is also an issue. I mean, I've, you know that I have issues with video games, period. Mm -hmm. But for those who don't have issues with, with video games and allow them in their home, when you're talking about children getting online and playing multiplayer, uh, this can become very, uh, very dangerous. And so this uh, parent writes, connecting to a public server means playing with strangers. And you would, you would always want to be careful about guarding your children uh, about playing with, with strangers. Another thing here, this was number five, the game can be frustrating. This one almost made me laugh. Here it says, another potential source of frustration in the game is losing all the stuff you've made or collected when you die, depending on which mode you're in. So there's a mode that if you happen to die, you don't take care of yourself or whatever, all your stuff disappears that you've been building. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> that could be hmm. frustrating. So, and But there's no real-world consequences. The other one is talking about how the experience can be intense for little children. And this is a big point here because even though this game is the most clunky looking thing you might have seen since Tetris, you know, uh, this is, in fact, I think Tetris looks cooler than, than this does. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, it's so clunky looking, but it's still an immersive game. So when we talk about immersive experiences, you know, children are being conditioned to be engaged in immersive video game content at a younger and younger age. Because eventually, maybe Minecraft is going to get old, you know, as they get older. And they're going to want to go on. Well, there's plenty of other immersive options out there uh, for children if that's the trajectory that has been set. And so when children get involved in immersive games like this, that, that, that experience, even though the spiders or the zombies or the skeletons or whatever they are that come out at night to try to get you, uh, don't look anything worse than a Lego character, you know, um, it becomes very real because the lines are now blurred between reality and 
and this virtual reality. And even though this virtual world is very blocky looking, it's something that a child can can follow and comprehend and they get they get engaged in it and they become so so that you know now those spiders coming to get you and those zombies in the game coming to get you at night uh, become very intense uh, for younger younger people so that was something that they brought up hmm. and and here's another inch we've kind of talked about this already but one of the things they point out it's much more than a game it says, there's an, it says there's an enormous world that has sprung up outside the game itself. YouTube videos of people playing and giving tips on how to play, parody songs, videos, wikis, forums. And, and kids are going to feel compelled to be part of this culture that we were talking about. And another, what's interesting, and I bring these out from this enthusiast for the game. Number eight in the list was it's easy to lose time when playing. You know, that's one of my concerns about video games is the waste of time mm-hmm. because it's it, the game doesn't have any set goals. Um, and then the last two points, I'll just bullet point here. Kids can often become obsessed. So that was uh, one of the things. And then it requires a lot of supervision. And that's what parents are trying to get out of oftentimes. You know, it's a parenting issue. Video games are convenient babysitter. Keeps the kids occupied. And uh, they're quiet. They're not fighting. Well, maybe they're fighting if they're not getting along in Minecraft. But generally, that's one of the things. So, Rhett, I don't want to belabor this. There's a lot I could say about Minecraft. But I think it generally fits under the things that we've talked about already with with video games. And though it's not, we're not talking about Grand Theft Auto here. So let's talk about on the on what what should parents be thinking about? What should they be doing? Well, I, I was thinking about what do we do? I mean, we don't play video games in our household. We don't our kids don't play Minecraft. And I was thinking about a couple things that I was going to share with our listening audience. One of the things that I recently started doing with my son because he's had an interest in planes. We had a guy in the church who owns a, a small plane, and he took us up for a ride. And ever since then. You know, my 12-year-old son has just really been fixated on planes. Well, you know, I don't really want to encourage him to fly planes right now. So I thought uh, we we were at family camp a, a year ago, and we also met uh, a family where they create RC planes that they build themselves out of foam, uh, out of foam board. And we thought, well, that looks cool. Let's do that. So that combination of seeing that and getting a ride up in a plane there was this interest and that was kind of one of our goals this year we thought let's build let's build our own plane that we can fly and so it was a a real fun project and we were actually building something so we we did the research we found plans online we invest i invested five dollars in dollar tree foam board to build our first plane my son who saved up his money he invested about seventy dollars it was between seventy and eighty dollars in electronics uh, all the all the things that we would need to to be able to control the plane up in the air, the batteries, the servos, the speed controls, the motors, the props, all that. So he he bought that with his own money, and and we spent time when we built our plane. So he saved his money. We worked together as a father and son. We built a plane, and then guess what happened? We crashed the plane. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're actually very hard to do. See, in the real world, uh, challenging things are challenging. You know, in, in a video game, something goes wrong. 
you just start over somewhere. Maybe you start with a whole new world. You know, when you when you build, you invest $80, you know, as a 12-year-old into something. You invest time with your dad. You get your plane up in the air and you watch it do a big loop and then come crashing into the ground. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, there's real consequences there. It's like, it's actually a challenge. And, uh, but we didn't give up because we, we, uh, we kept repairing that plane. Since we had built it, we could repair it. We continued to tweak it, try to, try to make it work better, try to learn how to fly it better. And, but eventually we, we destroyed that $5 fuselage <laughs> and we, and I went out and invested in $3 of new foam. We salvaged some of the parts of the plane and we built a, another fuselage and we, we rebuilt the plane again. And my son got back out there and, and began learning, you know, once again, learning how to get it to take off, to turn, to fly and crash again, repair it again. And there was, um, you know what? And the the thing I've noticed is he's not addicted to it, <laughs> you know, because it's there's actually some consequences, you know. You start thinking like, wow, I mean, man, this could cost me some more money if I destroy another motor, or if I have to buy something else. Um, this is not so fun. I mean, it looks fun when when it works, but it's not easy. You get a little wind. Now you have to control this thing. Those are real, you know. We're, he, he's had an interest in, you know, he's read books on. The um, the Wright brothers. He did a speech in uh, the, our Toastmasters group on the Wright brothers, also. And you know, in that interest, when you read those stories about people who've done real things, you know, it's trial and error, and there are real consequences, you know, <laughs> and real, th- real things at stake. And that's there's a learning process. And so, children can do that outside of video games. In fact, I think they can do it better, but that takes more work on the parents' part. And uh, another thing that we do as a family is uh, my, my two oldest, my daughter Elizabeth, who's 16, and my son CJ, who's 12, uh, they're involved in woodworking. We do uh, a wood turning. In fact, I just took them. We just got back from a, our first wood turners convention. So I took them to it, and it was great because there was nearly a thousand people at this wood turners convention, and I guarantee you there were probably less than a dozen that were under the 16 years old or younger. And, um, and there were very few young late, there were no young ladies that I saw other than my daughter, Elizabeth, a couple other boys that we saw, but here they were around a lot of older people that, uh, are demonstrating. And these are people that make a living doing what they're doing. They make things that are interesting. Um, it's creative. It's all the things that are, that people espouse about Minecraft. Oh, you know, it teaches this, it teaches that. Well, it's not the only thing that can teach those. In fact, I prefer my children to learn real things and they're, they're learning how to make stuff and they also sell stuff. They, they, they're learning that the skills that they're acquiring in the wood shop actually, um, apply to the real world, you know, and, and can provide an income, can provide them with other skills. They aspire, uh, to eventually get a booth at our local farmer's market. They, they've done that before and have been able to sell the things that they've made. So it's, this is just, these are a couple examples but there are others, you know, getting your kids involved in music, you know, letting them learn how to and to play an instrument or to, to sing in harmony. Uh, what other things can you think of, Rhett, that we can encourage parents with children? You can get involved in a sport. That's right. You like Frisbee golf, don't you? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's great being with people. It's just, you know, just like you said, the Another aspect to this video game is the social aspect. Well, you can go and do real things with real people. Yep, and it doesn't get addictive, you know? Yeah, <laughs> That's at the, the end thing. of the day, the game's over and we go home. 
And there are other things that you can, you know, my, my children are involved in a, a I mentioned uh, Toastmasters. They, it's what they call gavel club. It's a, it's like Toastmasters for, for kids and, and young adults. And they learn how to do public speaking. And we have a, we actually have a Christian group that our church established to help both adults and children learn how to get better at our public speaking skills, you know, for the purpose of the gospel and for interacting with others. Those are all, these are all things that I'm thinking about uh, uh, the direction. I use the word trajectory a lot. You know, I'm looking at where, what, if I'm pointing them, you know, if, if the things that I'm, I'm encouraging my children to do are, it's like if if we look at it as that analogy of the the arrow in the in the bow, you know, you're drawing them back and you're and you're pointing them in a direction. You have to, a parent has to ask themselves the question: Where am I pointing them? If I'm if I'm fostering all this this time and energy spent in a video game like Minecraft, where is this actually going? When I release this arrow, what what's going to happen with that? Is this something that is actually helpful to them? Is it something that's productive? Is it something that's going to help them become better parents, better, you know, better employees, better uh, ministers of the gospel, you know, better uh, whatever it is? Is this going to help them economically? These are all things that parents need to be thinking about in, in what kind of trajectory they're setting for their children. And and I, I have a hunch. It doesn't mean that I'm right on this, but I have a hunch that the trajectory that that Minecraft is setting for young people, especially young men, is going to be the same thing we're seeing with all other video games and other ways of escapism, that it's turning, we're, we're producing a culture that is not serious about living real life and, and doing the hard things and being engaged so that, you know, the benchmarks that they, in the studies that they've done, the benchmarks of, of uh young adults back in the 70s, you know, uh, are not, you know, that were reached at a, at a much younger age are not being reached even by the time a young man is age 30. So this was uh, going back to Newsweek magazine. Uh, several years ago, there was an article talking about where have all the men gone, and they noted some of these benchmarks, and they said, you know, today, seven, according to these benchmarks that they compared with, 70% of young men are not grown up, according to these benchmarks, by the time they're 30 years old. So there, and uh, some have called it adult adolescence. There are there are uh, tons of things out there where you can see our culture is not going in the right direction when it comes to responsibility, when it comes to young men taking um, taking responsibility, getting set in a in a good direction. And I don't think Minecraft is really helping that. That's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. You can take it to Starbucks with three dollars, and you might get a cup of coffee and uh, a reminder, which I've said before. That uh, when it comes to my opinions, you know, at least you can know that I am the world's leading expert in my own opinion. <laughs> so you, here you have it. You've got the expert advice right here. So, uh, Rhett, do, do you have any any um, biblical wisdom that comes to mind as we close? I guess the one thing that I thought of um, was just the amount of time we're spending, you know, or, you know, this culture is spending on video games and Minecraft and just thought of Ephesians, Ephesians five, you know, redeem the time. Yes. Redeem the time because the days are evil. So let's close it. Let's close this podcast with a, a little quip from Dr. David Murray. Uh, this is from our documentary captivated. 
and we're not told how much time we're to spend each day on work or play or leisure or family and certainly not for computer or other media, cell phone. But we are told to redeem the time because the days are evil, Ephesians 5.16. That means purchase back and it really views time as something that's that, that we're losing, that's, that's slipping through our hands and that requires positive effort to reclaim and make our own, or should I say, make our own for God's glory. And you notice one of the motives that's used there is, for the days are evil. And you know, if ever that could be said of a day, it's this day. If ever there's a day that you know, redeeming the time should be a, a daily duty, it's these days. You've been listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. Click on the audio tab to get a free download of Philip's audiobook, What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. And if you haven't seen our award-winning documentary, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture, be sure to order your copy today. Parents Television Council calls it deft and powerful and numerous moms, dads, and pastors say it's a must-watch for every Christian family and church. If you have a question or a topic you would like to have discussed on this program, please send an email to podcast at mediatalk101.org.